welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Always good to be with you. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, as we dig into uh, the scripture today, I'm going to be talking mainly about 1 Corinthians 15, but also 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to jump around a little bit as well. Uh, We're going into this new series talking about the, the realities of, of eternity and this heavenly hope that we have, what that means for today. And we hope that as we talk about those things that you really will be filled with hope in this season of Lent. You see, Lent is not just about giving up things. Lent is also about that which we choose to, to take on to go deeper with the Lord. And so wherever that practice or, or a spiritual decision you're making to go deep with the Lord, we want to encourage you in. And we know that some of you are, are uh, giving up coffee and going to save up money to give towards the Young Life Homework Center we're, we're doing, or maybe some other way. And some of you are adding on uh, some time of prayer, adding on reading the scriptures more, whatever those may be. We encourage you. You know, one of the characteristics we'd like to see in maturing disciples at CPC is that we live every day with an eternal perspective. Not just thinking about eternity and and life after death uh, when we go to a funeral or when we're in the hospital, but every day to have an eternal perspective and have the realities infuse our everyday decisions. You know, we wrapped up the book of Colossians, a series we did just last week, and we read this from Colossians 3, verses 2 through 4. Paul says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Now, you see, growing disciples have a heavenward gaze as they give a glimpse of God's goodness on earth in their everyday lives when we feed hungry people and hand out blankets to cold people and we tutor those who are struggling with school and as we share the gospel, right, with our words and our deeds, we're giving a glimpse of God's goodness. See, Lent is not just about giving up things, but adding on the things of God so our lives uh, revolve more around this heavenly gaze towards heaven that affects the way we live today. So as we prepare for Easter, our prayers that our hearts would long for our true heavenly home. That Lent could be a season where our, our hearts long for this home. That we get a better picture of what it is. That it's something that we think about and, and we want and we long for that reality when Jesus will return to reign on a new heavenly earth. You know, on Ash Wednesday, I preached from Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, where it says, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. See, the Bible declares that you and I were made for another home, that this is a temporary home, that God has placed within you and every single human being a longing and a desire for eternal things, because that is how you were always meant to be. The Bible declares that our hearts should long for our true home. Does your heart long for that home? Whether you're a believer today and you already know that security of your salvation or maybe you're still uh, discovering things about Jesus, what it means to follow him, every human being knows this world is not as it should be. 
and we long for something outside of ourselves to help us come home, a permanent home, an eternal home. You see, this world that we long for is actually something God has placed within you. A world that we long for is a world we know doesn't exist, but it should exist. A world with no tears, a world with no more sickness, no more divisions, no more viruses, no more mass, amen. A world that will have none of these sad things and where all the sad things become untrue. Something in you tells you that's how life should be, but yet we know life is not like that yet. So during Lent, we allow our hearts to long for our true heavenly home, where we get to, as Paul says, share in all his glory and reconnect with believers who've gone before us. That's our hope. You know, Paul writes to the church in Corinth in verse 58, chapter 15, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You see, when you have the eternal realities as your focus, you are compelled to make every day on earth count. You know that anything you do in the Lord is not in vain. Every little thing you do in Christ matters. Jesus even says, if you give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, Jesus says, I take notice. The smallest thing done in the name of Christ, in the name of God's perfect love, matters. Jesus pays attention to it. So let's take a look, therefore, at these passages today, and we're going to learn about the eternal realities, and we're going to avoid some common misconceptions. I'm going to name just three today. There's many more. When we think about God and living with him for eternity, look at verse 52, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52. In a moment, Paul says, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Now, the first misconception that's common is about the how of eternity, won't we be like spirits floating around in the clouds? That's what almost every depiction shows. In fact, much of what is portrayed in popular culture, whether in paintings or, or stories, it's this afterlife that sounds like this phantom life experience. We're playing harps in the clouds. Now, I don't want to email from any harpists, okay? <laughs> Paul, you know, we, we could have said guitars in the clouds, whatever, right? I love the harp. In fact, in my church in Newport Beach, we had a full worship band, and we had a harpist play with us. It was amazing. So I, you harpists, I love you. But the depiction we have about heaven is wrong. Phantoms, ghost-like spirits floating around. We're going to have like angel wings playing harps, okay? That's not what the Bible says. What Paul is talking about in this passage is us having some kind of physical bodies, not phantom spirits. That this word change, we're changing from perishable to imperishable. So Paul, what he's doing, he's arguing against the heresy that says there will be no bodily resurrection. He's saying, no, Corinthians, church, listen, there will be. Just as Jesus was physically resurrected with a new kind of body, imperishable, so shall you be resurrected with a new imperishable body, physical body, a change. 
But not just any kind of body. This changed body will be like the resurrected heavenly man from verse 49, Jesus Christ. And so we ask ourselves, what was Jesus's resurrected body like? And the scriptures give us a few clues. First of all, Jesus's body was touchable. In fact, in Matthew 28, verse 9, the women witness the resurrected Christ and they fall down at his feet in adoration and touch him. They grab hold of him. He was touchable, physical, not a ghost. And in Luke 24, verses 36 through 49, it's actually a funny story. And it's where Jesus actually has to prove himself to his doubting disciples that it's really him risen from the dead. And particularly in verse 39, Jesus says, touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Then he invites them to touch him, okay? And so they still doubted. And because they still doubted, can you imagine this? Jesus says, well, then give me something to eat. Give me that burrito. Give me that taco. Give me those chips, okay? He says, give me the fish. What do you have? Give me, okay, I'll show you. So Jesus proves he actually has a, a, a digestive tract, right? He's eating physical food because he's a physical person. A resurrected body has physicality, not a ghost, not a spirit, okay? Now, perhaps I would have doubted too because they were Jesus' disciples after Jesus had resurrected. They had locked themselves in a room, okay? And Jesus suddenly appears and says, hey, guys, he appears. And we don't know what Jesus' body was like, but it seems like he has some kind of ability to enter rooms without having to open a door. I even used the word teleport in the first service. He's got some ability. Now, let me, let me go a little further with this. In Luke 24, in an earlier story, Jesus is physically walking on a road to Emmaus with these two doubting, depressed disciples. It was Easter, but they didn't know he really had risen from the dead. He walks alongside them. He doesn't reveal his identity. He's talking with them. And it wasn't until they invite Jesus, resurrected Jesus, to their home, and where Jesus physically breaks bread, he disappears. And they realize that was Jesus, a physical body that is able to appear and disappear. That's what Jesus' body the New Testament is hinting at. Physicality, but with special abilities, okay? Resurrection bodies that look the same, but are somehow changed in miraculous ways. That's the first misconception, okay? The second one, the second one is about the what of eternity. What will we do? Won't heaven be boring? Playing the harp in the clouds all the time, right? You ever heard anyone say that? Isn't heaven going to be boring? In fact, Mark Twain famously said, go to heaven for the climate, go to hell for the company. <laughs> Absolutely wrong, but that's a miserable thing. Like, hell's where all the fun people are at. Friends, there'll be no fun in hell. Absolutely not. And heaven, the way that Paul describes it, gives this sense of this whole section resonating with the sound of a celebration song. It's the last thing you would think of that wouldn't be anything like boring. 1 Corinthians 15, 54, Paul 
says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound boring? Paul is excited and wants you to be excited. And we'll be able to take the next several weeks as we hear about this heavenly hope for us to get excited as we get a glimpse of the realities of eternity. And if you have lost someone who has given their life to the Lord, that you can have assurance that they're in the presence of Jesus and they are not bored. (laughs) And they may be playing a harp, I don't know, but they're not bored. They are in the presence of God. Paul says our ultimate future hope is that we are to share in a liberated and renewed creation. That's Romans 8, 19 to 22. And so our eternal future hope does have physicality to it. It's a second misconception. is the what, right? What will we do? A third misconception, I just have a little bit of time to touch on it, is about the where of eternity. Isn't heaven somewhere up there in the clouds? Now, other scriptures reveal that our ultimate destiny is not to live as disembodied ghosts in a spirit realm playing harps in the clouds, but as Revelation 5 verse 10 says, that we are to reign on a new earth. Wow, let that sink in. In fact, Revelation 22, as well as filled with a compelling vision, not of a boring place in the clouds, but heaven coming to earth, a heavenly earth. It's a city with a river and the tree of life. Okay, now listen up, Bible scholars. Where else do you see a tree of life? At the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, life begins with Adam and Eve with God in the Garden of Eden with the tree of life. And then the Bible ends in the book of Revelation with a garden, but in a city with the tree of life. And so what we see throughout the entire Bible that God has gathered not only Israel, but all the nations into this diverse and beautiful community. So what the Bible does, it points to a tangible paradise on a renewed heaven and earth where we will live with God forever. Not spirit beings floating in the clouds playing whatever instrument that you find boring. Okay, I won't say harps anymore, okay? <laughs> kazoo, okay? Well, some, someone's going to love the kazoo, okay? Anyways, it's not going to be boring. We're going to be reigning with Jesus. We're, we're going to... We're going to have a, a new experience, probably of even co-creating with Jesus. I mean, unbelievable stuff. It's exciting to ponder the possibilities, and we're going to get some glimpses of what the scriptures point to, this hopefulness we have with God in heaven. And so here we are. We will be perfectly embodied persons with Jesus on a renewed and limitless earth. What will that be like? I have no idea. But there's nothing boring about this picture, right? Nothing about it. It's beautiful. And as we consider the realities of eternity, right, we can right now bring our present reality. And I know some of you bring griefs today. And you bring hopelessness. And you bring fear. And you bring unanswered prayers. And you know what holds us together? It's not some myth of a heavenly hope, but the reality of a resurrected Christ who is waiting for us and is with us now by the Spirit. He truly is with us. 
We can worship in song, in God's word. We can worship him as we serve others, even as we grieve and as we long for this heavenly reality because we worship the one who will erase all these griefs one day. And we worship the one whom we can place our burdens on right now. And we worship a king who can carry all of the weight of the world. That is who we sing about and we read about and we serve every day. And friends, if you have never repented and put your faith in this one true king, well, friends, today is a great day to say yes to this promise. You don't have to wait till the end. You don't have to wait till you're on your deathbed. You don't have to wait till something changes in your life. Right now could be the day to say yes to him whom each of us will see face to face one day. Each of us have a chance to make a decision. Charles E. Fuller was the founder of Fuller Seminary and once announced that he would be speaking the following Sunday on heaven. And so during that week, there was this beautiful letter that came to Charles Fuller. It was from an old man who was very ill, but he liked to listen to him preach on the radio every Sunday. This is what they did back in the day. They listened to the radio. It's kind of funny, actually, because we all listen to podcasts now. It's like, it's pretty much all come back to the radio. But it's a whole other sermon. Okay. Anyway, so he said this in the letter, the old man who was dying. He says, next Sunday, pastor, you're going to talk about heaven. I'm interested in that land because I have held a clear title to a bit of property there for over 55 years. I did not buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at tremendous sacrifice. I'm not holding it for speculation since the title is not transferable. It is not a vacant lot. The greatest architect and builder of the universe has been building a home for me which will never need to be remodeled or repaired because it will suit me perfectly and individually and it will never grow old. Termites can never undermine its foundations, for they rest on the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks or bolts will ever be placed upon its doors, for no vicious person can ever enter that land where my dwelling stands. It is now almost completed and ready for me to enter in and abide in peace eternally without fear of ever being rejected. I hope to hear your sermon, Pastor this sermon on heaven next Sunday from my home. But I have no assurance that I will be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey and no return and no baggage. Yes, I am all ready to go. And I may not be here while you are talking next Sunday, but I shall meet you there one day. And so friends with the heavenly gaze, focused on the promises of God, we gladly await with confidence this future home waiting for us. That's what we do during Lent. Let me ask you, do people know you have this hope in Christ? That death is not the end. That we're not just reincarnated over and over. No. That there truly is a life after this life. And the only path to it is through the one who says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And his name is Jesus Christ. There's so much hopelessness in this world today because everyone knows that this world is not as it should be. If you're listening today, you're listening here, every human being in their heart knows they were made for something more. And that something more is Jesus.
the author of life, the one who wants to welcome you home. See, in Christ, we have a future heavenly dwelling that gives us confidence to live today with hope and purpose. Paul wrote a second letter to 1 Corinthians. It's called 2 Corinthians. And he continues this theme of the future resurrection hope in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Let me read them for you. It says, For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not found to be naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. First of all, let me point out Paul describes our current bodies as a tent, our current existence on earth as a tent. Whether our current physical homes, our current city, or earth itself, our future home is so much greater than our current home, our current tent. Christ is preparing for us a future home. Now, Paul, though, I think, is actually getting more specific when he uses the word tent more than in a general way of talking about our home. I have found, as I age every year, my metabolism unfortunately slows down. And you could say that our bodies literally are starting to become looking like tents at some points, right? (laughs) Expanding waistlines. Our bodies are wasting away. But in all seriousness... Our current imperfect physicality is fading, evidenced not only by burgeoning waistlines, but by cancers and viruses and failing memories and our ongoing struggle with sin. Anyone here not sin anymore? (laughs) Our ongoing earthly tense are fading physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, fading. But those who know Christ have an eternal hope that affects them today. God is building us a new physicality free from the brokenness of a fallen world. You name the sad thing, God promises to make it untrue. God promises to take the broken things and to mend them back together in the perfect world that is to come. You see, Paul says God has prepared for us this very thing and has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, a guarantee of your presence with God for eternity, a guarantee that this is going to be the reality, a guarantee that He is the way to this eternal reality. The Spirit is the guarantee that this is your story, that your story doesn't end at death. Your story continues on and gets gets better and better and better with Jesus for eternity. You see, Christians, the spirit in you guarantees the permanence that we long for in an age of impermanence. And our hearts tell us that this is not how life is supposed to be. Our earthly tent is passing away. And if you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, today is the day to say yes to King Jesus. Yes to this future world that can give you hope today. This King Jesus who overcame death and sickness and sin itself so that you could be with him forever. This new heaven, this new earth, whatever it looks like, is promised to you in Christ. Christ. 
And I can start living in the reality today because of him. The reality that this current earth is not my real home. And that every day on this earth, I can share a little glimpse of God's goodness as we feed people and donate ink cartridges and help tutor kids in need. And as we, as we pray for people on a Zoom call who are struggling with isolation, you see all the different ways that you get to give a little glimpse of heaven? That's the hope when you have an eternal perspective. This is what we do in our everyday lives. 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. First of all, let me say this. We are saved by grace. Whatever Paul is saying, he's not saying, Christians, you need to work harder to enable to retain your salvation. No. You didn't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to lose it. You're saved by grace. But there is a judgment, not only judging sheep and goats, not just judging believers from non-believers, but we actually will have our lives evaluated because we get rewarded. On top of the immense reward of heaven, the Bible talks about heavenly rewards too, not a tiered system, but just more blessings. As if heaven itself wasn't enough, he gives more. That's how good our God is. We are saved by grace, but until he returns, we live each day to present ourselves faithful to Jesus. We get to point to this hope that we have in Christ, this mystery that Jesus takes on our sin, gives us his righteousness, and then uses us to invite others to live under his gracious and mighty reign as king. That's our job description every day until he comes back. My pastor friend Sam just posted a eulogy for his friend Mark. Mark was about my age, our age, and he died after a lifelong battle with cerebral palsy. There's a picture on the screen. Sam says about his friend Mark that cerebral palsy did not define Mark, but rather he was defined by Jesus. When Mark was born, the doctor said he would never walk or talk, and yet he used to get up at camp in front of hundreds of kids and adults, and he would sing. Imagine a guy whose leg didn't work, and he, he used crutches to get around, and whose voice was tempered by cerebral palsy, and he's singing these words. Listen, I don't have much to offer you. I don't have much to give. There's so much I may never be as long as I may live. I may never be all I want to be, although I'll always try. But if you choose me to use me, that there's just one reason why. I'm available. I'm available. I will go when you say go. I'm available. I'm available. I will stop when you say no. My whole life was incomplete. I laid it at your feet. So use me as you will. I'm available. After Mark was done, you can imagine there wasn't a dry eye in the room. And Mark is now in the presence of Jesus. I don't know exactly what his body is like. I'm not exactly, is he, is he spirit until the resurrection? I don't understand how it all works, but he's in the presence of God, no longer suffering. And he's waiting for fellow believers to join him. He was faithful. 
You know, you don't have to have the strongest body or the best voice. Oh, but you can be available for every day on this earth. Whenever your time is up, and none of us know. We have another day, another year, another 50 years. None of us know. But we have a hope every day we're here. Let's pray. God, we thank you for our brother Mark, who is with you now. We have no idea if he can hear us, but we know, Lord, you are real and he's in your presence. And I pray that you would comfort those listening right now who have lost loved ones. Would you comfort them with the knowledge that all who die in Christ are in your presence, are comforted by you. They're more alive even right now than they've ever been on earth. We don't understand exactly how it works, but Jesus, you promised immediately for those who die in faith in you to be in your presence in paradise. We hold on to that claim. But Lord, help us. We are here on earth. We got to live every day. And so may we live each day with hope, with purpose, and with courage because the heavenly realities are so true. It affects the way we act and think and work and play each day for your glory. And it's your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.